Hi. Welcome to the CJB Sports Show podcast. On this episode, Kelly Moore with Rashad Bailey. Could he be a Winnipeg Blue Bomber in the future? Well, he had a pretty good showing at the Bombers free agent camp down in Florida. Also, I make my round two Stanley Cup playoff picks based only on each team's goal horn and which one I like more. And we're about a month into the MLB season, so we'll check in with Jamie Bettens of the Manitoba Junior Baseball League, what he thinks of the first month, and what Blue Jays fans should think, as Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is set to make his debut. That's coming up on the podcast. One of the most consistent and noticeable receivers during the two-day Winnipeg Blue Bombers free agent camp in Bradenton, Florida, was Rashid Bailey. 680 CGB's Kelly Moore spoke with the 25-year-old from Philadelphia about making several highlight-type catches among his many receptions during the three sessions. I take pride in, uh, in being consistent. I take pride in, in always showing up and trying to do the right things. And, uh, you know, the older you get and the more you've been around the world, you understand what, what coaches want to see. You know, I know how coaches are impressed. Coaches aren't impressed by being, you know, a coach's kid or, you know, listen. Okay, what is a coach's kid? Kind of like guys who kind of like try to stand around a coach. He's always trying to be around a coach. He's trying to show that, you know, yeah, I'm not. Listen, the way you get a coach's attention is to make plays. And at, a, at the pro level, if you ain't making plays, you're going home. And on a few of those plays, you were very expressive afterwards. Where did that come from or why did that happen? Very expressive. Uh you know, recently my my grandma, she's uh she's laid up in the hospital bed and uh she had high blood pressure and she passed out and she had like major surgeries and stuff like that and you know, seeing her the way she was kind of made me uh tone some of my emotions and keep them all in. And uh when I get a chance to come out here, this is where I this is where I cry, this is where I let it out with my game. And uh I'm going to shout some 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 good joys for her and uh, and just and just give it all I got. And a couple of my guys are here, so I, I kind of you know, so it's good. Who, who are your guys that are here? Uh, Tim Wilson and uh, Dom Williams. We we actually, me and Tim are in from Philly together. Right. So we train together. We do a lot of things together. So it's good to see him here. So when he's doing something good, I scream for him. When I do something good, he screams for me. So it's good. And Dom. That's who was the exactly. Tim Wilson cheering. Exactly. exactly. And Dom is, we were with the Eagles in San Diego together. So it's it's cool to see some familiar faces. You were saying you've been around the world, man, with yeah. Philadelphia, uh, along with, uh, you said, the uh, San, Diego. San Diego. Browns, Panthers, Jaguars. Uh, short stint, two-week period up on BC Lions practice squad. So it's been a long pro-athlete journey. And that's what this is. That's what life is. When you're undrafted, these are the things you're going to go through. This is this is life. You're going to face ups and downs. You're going to go through everything. And then you got to face some type of adversity in order to get to where you need to be. So... So what, what connect the dots then with how you wound up being with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers? It's been Ryan has always reached out on many occasions and So he would be the connecting dot to when you were with the BC Lions then? Yes. So every time I would get released from an NFL team, he would always shoot me a text. He would always, you know, check up on me and one day, man, I was just really just thinking hard and I just said, man, let's just give it a shot. This is where God wants me to be. I need to go take it. 
And uh, lately, I've been trying to be more than just an athlete. I've been speaking a lot more. I do a lot of motivational speaking and uh, just trying to show that I'm more than just an athlete. So signing this contract has given me time to really focus on life after football. So it's been a it's been a good journey. When you were at Delaware Valley University, what uh, what did you major in, and is that something that you can apply uh, uh, as your life continues on? Yes. Uh, I, my degree was in marketing, uh-huh. uh, business and marketing. Oh man, Bi- listen, everything ties to marketing. Me speaking to you right now is marketing. I'm branding myself. I'm talking about me and what the things that I'm doing. So uh, it's great. So it definitely plays a part in all the things that I'm trying to do in my future. I'm going to pick whose goal horn is better, and that's the team that's going to win the series. All right? So let's start with Boston. Ready? So I cut off some of the horn, and I'm going to play part of the goal song, too. So that's uh, Kerncraft 400 by Zombie Nation. They've been using it for a long time. Uh, The horn used to be a train-style horn similar to the LA Kings, but they switched it about a dozen years ago. I've been there, it's pretty loud. So they're up against Columbus. So the thing there is that they have an actual cannon. So when ACDC says, those are back to rock fire, boom, they fire an actual cannon. That's pretty cool. And then they go into the whip, which has been used by a number of teams over the years. That's a tough one, but I think I'm going to have to go with Boston just for old time's sake. I think that's, that's, it's a slight edge though. The cannon makes me lean. eh, It's close, but I'll go with Boston. Now Islanders and hurricanes. This one is, this one is easier. So that's the Islanders. They uh, it, it changed a little bit when they moved from the Coliseum to Brooklyn. Uh, they actually had a terrible horn when they first moved there. Uh, preseason hockey at Barclays Center. This was it. That tiny little horn you hear. That was that was it. That's like if I recorded my Dodge Neon honking its horn and used that as a goal horn. It's awful, and it didn't last very long, so they went back to the old one. They used Crowd Chant by Joe Satriani. Not the only team to use that song, so does Minnesota. And now to one of the worst goal horns in the league, Carolina. There's a lot of Ric Flair wooing in there. The horn is still the same one that they used in the Whalers days, so that's cool. But the song, it was voted on by the fans, but, oh, it's no good. That's an easy win for the Islanders. Just give it to them now. All right, St. Louis and Dallas. Here's the Blues. So it's like the Saints go marching in, but it's when the Blues go marching in. They've used that basically forever, but they also added another song after it this year from a local rock band. It's kind of simple, right? 
But then they do say something that's blues relevant here. Eh. It's okay. Uh, and now you don't know this at home, but I'm wearing a Jamie Ben jersey right now, so I'm wonder I wonder which horn I'm gonna pick here. Here's Dallas's. So they, they blast the horn for every goal. So if it's like five goals, it's honk, honk, and it's five times. Uh, and that's Pantera's puck off. They're from Dallas. Pantera is, and they befriended a lot of the stars in the in the late 90s when they were super good. And they made the song. They kind of used it as a rallying song back then. And now it's their goal song. Uh, so I picked Dallas. Eh. Finally, Sharks in Colorado. Let's check out San Jose's goal horn. More unique goal horn. A lot of the teams kind of sound like the Blues horn, which sounds like the Leafs horn, which sounds like the Lightning horn, which sounds like Columbus horn. But San Jose's is pretty unique. And the Get Ready for This by Two Unlimited. They brought it back a couple years ago as part of their 25th anniversary celebrations. They stuck with it. Uh, it had been Rock and Roll Part 2. A lot of teams had used that at one point, but thanks to Gary Glitter's uh, conviction of uh, sex crimes against children, that's kind of a no-go now. And finally, Colorado. They also used the whip that Columbus used and Rock and Roll Part 2 and Blur Song 2. I mean, who hasn't? But uh, now there's this. Ah. Their horn used to be a lot different back in the late 90s and early 2000s. Here's just here's what it sounded like. It was a very, very much more of a, an alarm clock maybe sound. Avalanche warning! And then there's Rock and Roll Part 2, which we can't use anymore. Uh, that is actually my alarm on my phone. If I need to get up in the morning, that goes off. As you can imagine, it doesn't last long before I say, oh God, I'm up. Okay. I do like that horn. I like the old Colorado horn better, but in this matchup, their current horns, I got to pick San Jose. So San Jose, Dallas, the Islanders, and Boston based only on goal horns. Take it to the bank. My round two predictions. We are one month into the MLB season, and with the big news for Toronto Blue Jays fans that Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is making his debut tomorrow night, I thought we'd check in with Jamie Bettens, president of the Manitoba Junior Baseball League. Jamie, before we get to all that, how much baseball have you been able to check out amidst the flurry that has been the Stanley Cup playoffs? Um, I try to keep a keen eye on at least the scoring and highlights. I haven't had a chance to watch too many games, and uh, if I do, it's uh, my favorite time of the year is when the Jays go on the West Coast because it's uh, kind of later on when the rest of the house kind of calms down and I can shut my computer off and uh, catch kind of the later games. So those are the ones that I, I definitely catch up on. And it seems to be uh, it was the right time because they uh, they played well and sweeping Oakland and uh, winning a few more games in Minnesota. So the Jays right now are 11 and 14. They are in third place in the AL East. But the big news is that tomorrow night, 
the MLB debut, long-awaited, of Vladimir Guerrero Jr. How exciting is this for Blue Jays fans in a season where there really isn't a whole lot to be excited about? I think it's it's uh, absolutely fantastic for baseball. It seems like you know the U.S. networks and everybody else is picking up on this, uh, basically due to the family name. But you know, for the Blue Jays to have the number one prospect to have some sort of signal of the next level or the rebuild is is a is a great opportunity from a management perspective to signal to the fans that the time is now beginning. The clock is started and anything from this point on is all about building around him and, and what else comes with it. Because this isn't just a, a good prospect debuting. This is one of the more anticipated debuts we've seen in the last, I don't pick how many years. Absolutely. I mean, anytime that the number one prospect comes up, there's, there's a little bit of pressure on and, and some of the players in the past three or four years, Chris Bryant, Ronald Acuna Jr. Uh, some of those guys have, already come in and proven that they can handle it so you know with the number one prospect they never they very rarely get it wrong so there's going to be some degree of success right off the bat which is exciting it's just whether or not it becomes legendary or hall of fame like and and i think everybody's ready to buckle up and uh, go along for the ride you think he's going to live up to the hype i i do to a certain extent um I think body type for me at the beginning is, is something that I'm a little concerned about and just, you know, being able to have a, a bigger body with a few more pounds on it and put through the pace of 162 game season and playing third base, the hit, the batting tool, the hit tool is there. Um, does that mean he moves over to first base? It could at some point. Um, but I, I do think there's a superstar in there. I just don't know where it'll end up if he's a, uh, big hitting David Ortiz type DH, or if he can actually play third base, it's in the in the best interest of the franchise if you can play third base because then you can put other pieces all over and and really have a good team faster. How much does it add to the magic that he is playing in Canada, where he was born? His dad was a big part of the Expos history. How much does that add to the mystique of of his call up? I, I think it's wonderful. I mean. The Blue Jays are undoubtedly Canada's team. You have to only watch a game in Seattle or Minnesota or Detroit to to really uh, understand the magnitude of the Blue Jays product and how big it is across the country. So the fact that he can do that and, you know, if Senior shows up to a few more games in the stands, uh, I I think it's just an absolute storyline that MLB can't wait to jump on and and the fans of Canada to, to, to jump on as well. And for the Jays, as I mentioned, this is a season where expectations are not high. It's not really a we're going to go for the playoff situation. So what's the reasoning why they waited till April 26th to call him up as opposed to having him on the opening day roster? A couple of reasons. Uh, the, the, the easy answer is the service time clock. If you can hold him off till mid to late April, uh, you gain uh, an extra year of control over the player before going into free agency. So that's, that was one thing that was important. I, I think if they needed to or they had the right team, they probably would have called him up. Um, but then the oblique injury late in spring training led to him needing some, not necessarily seasoning, but they needed to see that he could play a number of games in a row and withstand the rigors of the position before they called him up. And it was as soon as he played three games in a row, uh, the bat was there. They had no question about that. But once the legs held up and the hands held up over three games on defense, uh, they called him up within 24 hours. 
I really don't like that service clock rule. You wait three weeks to save a year. It's pretty dumb, don't you think? It's not something that I fully understand. Um, you know, I understand it from a management perspective and why the teams do it, but it really doesn't benefit the players. And the players are the ones that are on the field 162 games a year or as many as they can and really putting their their uh, body on the line for, for the fans and for those man- for the management. And I, I, I think it should be maybe looked at and maybe it will be ratified in the next agreement. Um, but it, it's not a popular one amongst fans, that's for sure. So let's take a look around the league right now. We'll start with the defending champion Red Sox, who are not off to a good start at all. They're 10-15. and 15, Their pitching sucks. Is it too early to panic about that, or is this start something that they're actually having signs of cracks and flaws with the team? Um, I think that it's time to hit the button a little bit. Um, I, I've never believed fully in the pitching staff for Boston, and I'm a big believer in kind of that rebound effect or that, you know, at some point, you know, something will come crashing down to the ground. You, you can only sustain those kind of windows for so long. Um, when their ace in Chris Sale is struggling, that's, that's the driver there and, and the guys behind him. Um, I think there's a lot of patchwork effort there, a lot of scotch tape holding guys up and whatnot. So it's not surprising to me. And, I, and if I were Boston, I'd be looking at contingency plans as, as quickly as possible to shore up that staff. Yeah, they, only Baltimore, who's just, you know, ball, it's Baltimore, has allowed more runs this season than the Boston Red Sox. On the flip side, the Tampa Bay Rays have been a pleasant surprise. They were a good team last year, fairly anonymous team, but it's pitching really that has held that gotten this them to the first place right now, sixteen and nine. Right now, the best record in baseball. Absolutely, and that is a model franchise uh, on the field, off the field, and the 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 organization and the the stadium problems is a different different entity in itself. But on the field, what manager Kevin Cash is doing, he's revolutionizing the game with the opener or the kind of uh, relief, middle relief or late inning relief person starting games and, and attacking the other team's uh, top hitters, at least in the first inning. Uh, those kind of things that they're doing, they're data-driven. Uh, they, they don't leave any stone unturned, and it's proving that that model works right now, and they are absolutely a model franchise in Major League Baseball. In terms of hitters that are jumping off the page so far, Christian Yelich has 13 homers, 31 RBI, batting 326. Cody Bellinger... Has 12 dingers, batting 424 for the LA Dodgers. These are obviously unsustainable over 162 games, but you got to love the the hot starts in the National League. Absolutely, um, it just seems like those guys are dialed in right from spring training on. And when, anytime you can do that and sustain that over the long haul, you're in early MVP talk. And uh, it just seems like they can carry their teams, and they're already talked about as playoff teams. That builds a confidence in the rest of your lineup, too. When your top guys are going like that, uh, you don't have to look any further than Philadelphia and Bryce Harper and uh, a little bit of the chatter between him and his own teammate, Jake Arrieta, when he got thrown out against the Mets earlier this week to see what happens when your star is not going or there's a perception potentially in the dressing room that uh, he's maybe not you know, doing everything he can for the team. So when those guys are going, it's, it's really special to watch I think the Jays were very close to getting Kristen Yelich uh, uh, right before Milwaukee landed him, and you could only imagine what that bat next to Vladimir Guerrero Jr. would look like right now. What is Miami doing? Trade? I get the the Stanton trade, but they lose their outfield of Stanton, Marcelo Zuna, and Christian Yelich. Miami's got nothing. Why? Why? Well, the only thing Miami has is a lot of unpaid bills. They, uh, they, they're losing a lot of money, and they're bleeding it fast, so in order to to really 
shore up and get back going in the right direction, they had to unload a lot of those salaries to kind of start from scratch. That's the only way you can justify what they're doing. Uh, having a guy like Derek Jeter at the helm, you have to think that he's going to be as as possible, but they think they understand that their window is just not right now. When Bryce Harper signs in the same division, Washington is loaded up and the Mets go after Robinson Cano and Edwin Diaz and other free agents. They know it's not their time, so you're better off. I don't like the the total tank, but you're better off in uh, putting product out there that's going to develop similar to what the Jays are doing and hoping that you kind of find it within the next few years before your fans give up. All right, before I let you go, anything else jump out at you from the first month of the season? Um, Yes, one stat in particular, and, and, and if you're a baseball fan, I highly recommend that you look up Joey Votto and some of the obscure stats that he puts up. Joey Votto popped out for the first time in his career to first base. Joey Votto has been in the league for almost a decade, maybe even more so, and it is the first time ever that he popped up to first base. If you understand those kind of stats and some of the other numbers around Joey Votto and how many balls he's actually hit foul, how many times he's ever popped out to the pitcher, um, it's absolutely astonishing. And if you're a baseball guy, you look up Joey Votto obscure stats and you will be wowed at what you'll see and how amazingly consistent he is. And he's Canadian too, so we always hang our hat on that. That never hurts. All right. Appreciate it as always, Jamie. We'll check in with you, I guess, in a month from now as you get uh, set for the MJBL season. When does that get underway again? Uh, that's going to start in the first week of May. Teams are already loaded up and getting ready to go here, and uh, we're very excited about this season. Check out the CJOB Sports Show weeknights from 7 to 9 p.m. with Christian O'Mell and the Sports Show Podcast. Not available on iTunes, not available on Google Podcasts, not available anywhere you get your favorite podcasts. Yes.